You are watching or listening to episode 97 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. And on this episode, we talk about stuff and things. We do have a list, sort of, but then I'll probably make something up. And then I will find a way. Dave said there's no salt. There is always salt for me. Always. That and more on this episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. My insatiable lust for salt will never be denied. I'm Carlos. That's Dave. Uh, hey, if you have to bring it, then bring it, right? I just I said, literally all always I said bring was it. there was no Super League, and I'm sorry. Then, but I, uh, it's a slow, pre- slow news week in the hashtag Save the Super League world. Super League has has you know has done its job. It's done what it needed to do. But as the patron saint of salt, I shall handle this. That's true. I will do what I you can. know. You are the patron saint of salt, which is probably correct. the most important part of that sentence. That is correct. Yes. So anyway, how's it going? It's good. It's good. A um, bunch of stuff going on this week, believe it or not. Um, more, you know, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have behind me somewhere da- back here, I have, I think, four DVDs of wrestling matches from the library. Uh, mm-hmm. I finished a, an interesting book that actually kind of hit me hard at the end because it's called Inside the Squared Circle. Mm-hmm. And I should know That's the, the one with David name. Shoemaker or whatever? Yes, actually, that's right. That's his name, Dave. Yeah, yep. that wrote it. Great book. Uh, really interesting stories. And obviously, he talks about, you know, the history of wrestling throughout, you know, from its carnival days yep. uh, as a car and, you know, days as a carnival scam and then semi then actually being real to, you know, mm-hmm. or like not not predetermined, I should say. Correct. Yeah. Uh, and, and so on and so forth. But he has each chapter is sort of devoted to a specific wrestler. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the book, he's like, just so you know, every single person I devoted a chapter to is dead. Yep. It's like, whoa. Well, like, I mean, exactly. obviously, <laughs> exactly. you know, it's true. It's, it's true, right? But, I mean, if you think of all the people that he's talked about, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, he obviously talks about people who aren't dead, like Bret Hart, Hulk Hogan, you know, Stone Cold, mm-hmm. The Rock, you know. But to mention, like, all these people that have, have come and gone that have been big-time stars, and then mm-hmm. obviously some that haven't been big-time stars, but, you know, these, these people have been, you know, icons of professional wrestling and they're dead Mm -hmm. and it's it's like another reminder of whoa yeah this is this is crazy it's a shady business shady business but yeah it's uh it's there's always that there's always there's a reason there's a dark side of the ring documentary series yeah which i am i am i'm caught up in and i actually watched i think probably the first episode which is weird the first episode that i've watched where i was where i've after watching it thought this wasn't actually that dark. Like, mm-hmm. interesting story, mm-hmm. uh, you know, but not dark in the same way all the other ones. This The latest one was about the collision in Korea. Okay. I heard about this. I haven't watched it yet. So so gotcha. are you familiar with that that event and that pay-per-view? Ah, vaguely. Uh, so with a lot of those, some of them I know a little bit more peripherally than others. That one I don't know. Remember so apparent, apparent WAP, it's apparently the only WCW pay-per-view that you can't watch now. Oh, that's okay. not available for streaming from WWE. Mm-hmm. And basically what happened was there's, um, you know, Inoki, who was a, a famous Japanese wrestler mm-hmm. and also kind of got into politics a little bit, wanted to do this like sort of friendship festival with North Korea. It's kind of oh, like okay. a, a bit of a political stunt, but take over some wrestlers and some celebrities like Muhammad Ali went as well. Oh, okay. Uh, was this in? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. It's like 95 ish, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was right when sort of Bischoff was starting with the WCW because he was the one involved in taking people over. Sure. And anyway, they go, uh, but the first he, he asked Hogan, Hey, do you want to do this? And Hogan's like, no. So he 
takes Ric Flair as sort of the main wrestler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Uh, which is, and the only thing that would have made this documentary better, like I love Dark Side of the Ring. I love what they do, but I really wish they had had Flair in this one, like to interview. But they had, uh, they had, you know, uh, was it Two Cold Scorpio was, was yeah. quite prominent in this one. He went, uh, or if you prefer from WWE parlance, Flash Funk. Yeah, no, I'll go. I'll go with the uh, Two Cold Scorpio. <laughs> That's how I remember him. So. Yeah, he was also in ECW's Two Cold Scorpio, and by the way, he was better in both those iterations of Flash Funk. Flash Funk was shitty. Uh, but he's he's another interesting character. Yes. And then one of the Road Warriors, I think Hawk, was was there. You have, you'd, um, have to, you'd have to describe him a little bit, but yeah. Animals then, the shorter one, Hawks the taller one with the Mohawk. Yeah, I can't remember. What, okay. uh, but and then you know and then they had a bunch of uh japanese wrestlers as well sure and they did it two days so they had you know two events basically mm-hmm. um but obviously it aired as i think one show and all you know these guys not knowing what they got in like it, it felt like enoki knew what he was getting into and obviously he was the the one who initiated it and organized it mm-hmm. but you know the one wrestler calls home and is like this is so shitty i hate this country and then the phone goes dead because mm-hmm. they were listening and you know yep and then he gets pulled into a room with a bunch of you know uh soldiers and threatened after that and you know all these things that they really didn't know they were getting into right so Mm -hmm. it's it's interesting and obviously the 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 paul the politics haven't really changed much at all yeah uh from other than you know the people in charge are different uh so it's kind of it was interesting but it, it wasn't you know that same dark like whoa moment or i can't believe that happened or this is super tragic that pretty much every other episode of that of that series is. I just like the way you position this, where it's like, so what Dave is trying to tell you all is, he would have been fine with it, is, and then the man was shot dead, and then they shot a dog outside. There, uh, tragic enough for you. Well, the, you know what? That might have happened though. I mean, it is North Korea, so well, there's yeah. a lot of. I thought I was going to get shot. <laughs> they threatened to shoot me. You know. Yeah, but the important thing is, that I'm, tra- I'm trying to convey that the, the I'm trying to convey warrior, your disappointment like, that no one died. I'm trying to convey that you no, no, there's no disappointment. Dave wants death. I understand. I get it. No, no, I don't want death because it already exists. So it is. He wants story, more it's death. not like they're like more. we need. Can, it's not like the producers of the show are sitting around going, "Can somebody die in a tragic way so we can make a new episode?" Well, there's they would if Dave Turbo was one of the executive producers. Oh. I need some death, guys. I need some super size of death with a coke. No, thank you. Give we me a super size of, of death with a coke. There's tons of it. No, we don't need any more. Thank you very much. Uh, but interesting, but it's, it's weird. The fun, other thing that's weird about it is they're all on YouTube. Like they shouldn't be, but someone's just posted it. And apparently either vice TV or you very slow in taking them down. Mm-hmm. So, so that's on a related I, note for, for those of you who are more astute, uh, super size of death with a Coke is actually a song lyric bonus. If anybody can figure out what that is, I'm unfortunately don't know what that is. So it's actually a good song, but go on. <laughs> Yeah, so so that was interesting and and, and whatnot. Um, I guess actually we'll bring in the other. I do. I I'll, I don't know if I want to do more wrestling or actually because I have a legit like home. This happened in my week story that I I feel is interesting to tell you. But whatever. Does I'll it go involve into the other death? Thing. I almost could have. It, the possibility of death exists again with the almost. Please continue. Sorry, man. No. So so what happened is we have you know a PVR as you uh-huh. know, and it, this happened a bit last year. But not to the same degree that has happened in the last week. That you know you'd be recording something, and it wouldn't. It, the you know it would say skip because of the signal or whatever. It wouldn't. It wouldn't PVR. It. Okay, so it was a signal problem. Gotcha. Right. Okay. Or uh, you know you turn on the TV to watch something, and 
you, it's like, you know, whatever the message comes on is a satellite signal. Blah, blah, okay. Blah. So yeah. So this is, I wanted to say it's a signal. So issue. A it's a signal. So this issue. is a satellite. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And okay. Well, it's been working fine. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so what's going on? Like something's going on and the guide stopped downloading. Like it was like a couple of days from now, the programming, it was like, it stopped Sunday at eight. And there was no programming available after that. And you, and when you went to download it, it wouldn't download it. So I'm like, something's up here. Mm-hmm. So then I'm like, well, based on the way where our satellite is and where it was placed, I'm like, there's a tree out. So there's a couple of trees there. So I'm thinking the trees probably are, are what's blocking this, right? Because it's not that cloudy. It's not a store, you know, like yeah. I get it if it's super thunderstorm and everything and the, the satellite signal gets out. That makes sense. But all the weather that we've had this past week has not been indicative of, you know, a satellite signal going out. So I go up and I go up. So I basically, I spent a large portion of my day today cutting down part of a tree. Basically you have this tree like this, right? So it's to get in the canopy and I'm trying to basically make a hole in the middle of it so that the satellite can reach through. He's trying to make a satellite signal hole in the tree. Pretty much. Great. And I was successful. Fantastic, phenomenal. There, there's a lot of a lot of foliage on the ground right now, uh, you know, from from uh, two different trees, but it worked. And the good news about it is, it's not like completely where you know you have a half of a tree over here and another half over here, and there's a big hole down the middle. It didn't turn out that way, thankfully. You have, you know, it still looks like a tree canopy. It doesn't look like two separate trees with a thing, you know. A satellite hole in the middle, if you will. Phenomenal. Fantastic. So, so I was satisfied that that was able to be done. Good talk, Dave. Good talk. If this had been a shot satellite, it would have, you would have had to remove half the neighborhood. It's like, no, there can't be a house within five miles. It's interfering with my signal. Oh, yeah. But it's, it's, it's one of those things, right? Because in the winter, when there aren't leaves in the tree, it was fine. Mm-hmm. So... I learned something, you know, and yes, would it probably been easier to just move the satellite higher on the chimney? Absolutely. Yes. Mm -hmm. But you know, that would require hashtag effort. Well, I mean, both obviously required effort, but Mm -hmm. then there's always the chance that you actually screwed up more or drop the satellite or who knows. Right. And I didn't want to wait for some technician to come and do it. So I was like, I'll just hack up the tree. Good job. Good job. And I managed to do it with, there's a bird nesting in that tree that's just had babies. And I managed to do it without harming them whatsoever. So wow. that was another bonus. Wow. This, this story just involves no death whatsoever. It's nope. Just, nope. Just... I don't think actually, um, my next story involves the word what death. What death now? <laughs> it involves this the word death. recurring theme. It's like, the, this like episode 97, which somehow circles around the subject of death. But never actually touches on it? It's like... It's just a consistent, you know, disappointment for however long it goes on. Well, this is, so I watched a documentary that I, I think I first heard about it on the Joe Rogan Experience. Uh, I can't remember the context in which they were talking about it or what the guest was, but I watched on Netflix. You can't kill David Arquette. Are you familiar with this movie? Not really, but I am familiar. I'm familiar with David Arquette. So basically the premise of the documentary, it's, I think it's like an hour and a half. It's actually not bad. It's actually, it's a, it, it sounds like basically from your description of 77 minutes, this mm. is way better. Infinitely better. Your whole movies are better and I don't want to watch those either. Unfortunately it has, you know, David Arquette in it, but yeah, well, 
Uh, so basically, it stems from the fact when he became WCW champion, mm-hmm. and he basically is trying to, you know, not disrespect the business because he he feels bad about what happened with that because he likes wrestling, he's a fan, whatever. So he decides that he's going to train to become a wrestler. Okay. Right. So he goes through this process. He does some in, like indie circuit matches. He goes to Mexico to train. Uh, he does like some show matches, a death match, which almost kills him. Again, circling around death. Uh, you know, well, the one guy, the guy that he faced was also the uh, subject of a dark side of the ring, Nick Gage. Uh, and he did die for seven minutes and then was brought back to life. So does that count? Don't worry, folks. I will land this plane. We're we're, we're circling around it. I will land this fucking plane. So anyway, but there's the, a lot of interesting things about it. And then he has this sort of final match, which is, you know, so basically he goes through saying like, obviously at the, at the end of the day, he does pick up some skill and some moves and is, you know, not completely, you know, horrifically lost. Yeah. yeah. Uh, if you will. Um, but the interesting thing is, well, the thing that I found the most interesting is, is his, his trip to Mexico. So he goes to Tijuana uh, to train and do some like lucha style stuff, and one of the things is sort of his initiation into that style of wrestling is he has to go to uh, this street wrestling. So basically, and and I've been to Tijuana, so traffic is a bit of an issue in the city, and mostly because of the border with the United States. Like it's possible, you know, that quite frequently the line to cross into the United States is up to four hours long. That's how long you have to wait in your car. So there's a whole industry of people selling things to people in their car while they're waiting to cross the border. All right. So that's traffic is a thing. So anyway, basically there's this one intersection where I think there's like four lanes of traffic. They come to a light, they stop. And during the red light, wrestlers run into the street, perform a match very quickly, obviously, and then go around car to car trying to get money for the match. So this is the thing, apparently. And David Arquette participates in that, which I found quite entertaining and very interesting in terms of like imagining like this is what they do. This is their style of wrestling and this is how it works. It's interesting that that is considered a style of wrestling. I just consider that, um, you know, a good chunk of WWE back in the day when they had squash matches. It's like maybe they should have been having some of the WWE superstar, you know, WWE superstar matches, you know, in the middle of Tijuana. It's like, isn't this a standard TV match? Yes. Now pay us. Yeah, seriously. It's a three-minute squash. Go! All right. Fantastic. I see. Yeah, I know David Arquette was still participating in wrestling in some capacity. So there you go. Okay. Documentary that kind of covers that. That's fair. So there you go. Uh, and yeah, but he almost dies in a death match because he gets killed. Uh, not killed. <laughs> he gets cut in the neck with a light tube. As you do. But as I would say, these like that kind of death match, well, death match is like a little bit too much for me. Like it's not, mm. it's not my style, man. Mm-hmm. It just it you know what I mean. I feel like it just takes it's it's there's some there's another level to it that just doesn't do it for me. I see, I see. The problem is that um, while the name is there and it's violent, it's brutal. Dave's biggest issue is it doesn't actually involve death most of the time. It's a well, disappointment, you probably, know. It's, yeah. it's a disappointment. But don't worry, Dave. Don't worry, Dave. Uh, anything oh, else you want to add? Carlos. No, uh, I think that's it. All right, but time I, for I would a... recommend if you're looking for you. I, I think you would enjoy it for what it is if you did watch it 
I see. Fair enough. So um, what I'm going to do is I am now going to shift us over, and uh, I'm going to do what's Dave's new favorite segment now. Uh, I, I call it Carlos lands the fucking plane and someone dies. So here, here's what we're going to do. Uh, our good friend Charlie Min, uh, who I discussed in the previous iterate, previous episode of the podcast, he has a lot of documentaries. Most of them, to be frank, are shitty. And I explained why when I explained the last documentary. I did watch a couple more to see, like, they can't all be this shitty. The answer is yes. Most of them are pretty much that shitty. However, I did come across one that was less shitty. Substantially less shitty. But most of that has nothing to do with Charlie Mint himself and more the fact that he couldn't be as shitty as he normally is. Allow me to explain. So he, so he created a documentary that's called uh, basically The 13th Man. It's, uh, it's related to the Texas A&M bonfire tragedy. Now, I'm not going to explain the entire documentary, but let me give you the gist and also explain why even Charlie Min couldn't fuck this up. So I'll explain. So are you familiar with this Texas bonfire tragedy thing? No, I'm not. Okay, so first of all, Texas A&M has been a university for a long time, and for over 80 years and change, they're about, they had a tradition that was called the Texas A&M bonfire. They call it the bonfire. It's a bonfire, but it's a really big bonfire, like a big ass bonfire uh, to the point that it had become like this whole thing that uh, happened on campus where they would literally um, have a segment of the season where they would cut where somebody would volunteer a plot of land. They would cut down a bunch of trees, basically, and and take all the um, not the branches, but the actual um, the base of the tree and everything related to it, compile all these things treat them, condition them, set them up, and then they would build a structure. So the bonfire is actually a structure. This bonfire at one point, I think still so, still is the case, it has the Guinness Book of World Records for tallest like bonfire and biggest bonfire because one of them okay. was over 100 feet in the air. So they would actually right. build a, a structure. Significant, significantly large bonfire. Absolutely. And in some cases, these bonfires would burn for like a week like the way they, because what they're doing is they're actually building a structure. And they're building multiple levels to take it higher and higher. Now, by the by, the time of this particular thing, they had, they had put a cap on it and said, "Well, we can't make it bigger every year." Like, hey, you know, let's just cap it off. They they wanted to keep it around fifty five feet, which, by the way, is still yeah. a lot of wood. It's still a lot of everything. Plus, you're throwing some fuel onto it to make it burn faster to get the bonfire. But what would happen is a bunch of the tradition was that people would come in from the campus, and I'll kind of uh, angle this into a Guelph thing a little bit. So you know how. Um, uh, Guelph had that um, that gathering at like the at the stadium where people had like the um, like that dance thing or that chanting thing yeah. or whatever the stupid thing's called, yeah. whatever that idiocy was. Um, pep, I think it was just called a pep rally, wasn't it? Whatever, it's still stupid. But the but point it was like is for orientation week, right? Yeah, exactly. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. So and it, all schools have shit like this. They all do. It's it's all stupid. But this one takes it. This one takes the cake because at the end of the day, these people are hanging out and having a pep rally around a gigantic big ass fire. I don't know why you're excited about this unless you just get off on pyromania. If that's your deal, then that's your deal. But apparently these people got very excited about it. It's like, oh, it was a great experience. It's like you were watching a fucking fire. It was a really big fire. It was a lot of wood on fire. It's like it was camaraderie. And I'm like, you're watching a fucking fire. You're, you're standing like, no, no, there for hours still, watching it's still, a fucking fire. No matter what kind of fire it is, it's still a gigantic fire. Yeah, it's just this, this is all it is. It's a bunch of wood that has been set on fire. But it built camaraderie. That's the important thing, Dave. The important thing is build camaraderie. Clearly, as you burn this wood and watched it. Nothing, nothing says camaraderie like burning a bunch of things. Yes, correct, correct. Now, this went on for like years and years and years, decades upon decades, blah blah blah. All right, on November eighteenth, nineteen ninety nine, they did one of these things, 
And in the course of doing it, they were building it up, doing, you know, they were being a little sloppy because at the end of the day, there was really no supervision as far as engineers, because you're really building a structure. Right. You're not just taking a couple of logs and lighting them on fire. You're actually building a thing that has multiple layers. You're, you've got like one big center post that goes and that is like the baseline of the structure. And then you're building things around it and going to levels. And people are climbing up on this thing to add more pieces to it and then tying them all together with like big cables and stuff. It's an engineering task is what it really is. So you do want to theoretically, if you're going to do this, you would have some people uh, there. And towards the end, as they approached the actual time they were going to light the bonfire as part of this big gathering thing, um, theoretically, they're working around the night, around the clock. They're working basically 24 hours in shifts. So, But you've got all these students. It's like a volunteer thing. And you've got all these students doing this. Well, of course, students being students, some of them are drinking. Some of them are just kind of goofing around and doing all this kind of stuff. So on November 18th, 1999, uh, a mistake was made. Uh, it might have been the way they built it, or maybe there was a little bit of a tilt going on with it, or it's just the fact that there was a bit of an issue. The The ground might have been a little bit unlevel that they decided to choose to use as the base for this. Um, the center post snapped, and the structure collapsed. Okay. And there were about 50 or 60 people on the structure at the time of its collapse in the middle of the night. It was like oh, wow. 3 or 4 okay. in the morning. So immediately it becomes you call the campus you know emts you get all this thing going on people come in trying to move some of the logs but it's a structure now you've got this problem where you're like you can't just move all the logs you have to be careful otherwise more of the structure falls on people that are at the bottom of basically you know thousands right. of pounds worth of you know uh, trees basically mm -hmm. um so the end result is they this this was a documentary covering all that the rescue operation and everything but as a result uh, as a result, 12 people died because someone was going to die on this goddamn podcast one way or another. So I, I've landed the plane. Oh, Carlos. Anyway, listen, if you can't deliver, I will. But the point is, so 12 people died. See, I prefer not to dwell on tragedy and bring it up to people, you know, all the time, right? No, you, you give us any tragedy. You well, exactly. Us, it's like, well, you gave us David Arquette wrestling Lucha Libra, being Nacho Libre in the middle of the street. Hey, he almost died. But he didn't, he didn't get there for the mask, so. Well, Somebody could have worn a mask, but they died. But anyway, the point is, so 12 people died um, in this stupidity because, to be perfectly honest, I feel bad for them, except they're building a gigantic bonfire, which is stupid. It's stupid. But um, anywho, the point is, this documentary is called The 13th Man, which is also kind of their slogan for Texas A&M. The point is, there was one guy who survived, and he was paralyzed. Um, that was his story. Now, the point is, this is a tragic story. Except for Dave, who finally is excited. They finally got some death. So you're welcome. Nope, nope, not excited. So, so just, anyway, just putting it on the record. So, so the important thing is, uh, the documentary itself is decent because it actually does a good job building the background, explaining the thing, talking to a lot of people who were at Texas A&M, explaining why it meant a lot to them, and blah, 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 and yada, yada. By the end of it, to no one's surprise, uh, they very much, uh, a lot of the longtime Texas A&Mers, like, you know, it's very tragic. We want to remember the lessons from it. But, you know, if I had my way, I'd love to have the bonfire back on campus. And, which was like, Of course you do because you would like a temp fate. It's like, uh, they all agree that obviously you would want to have a real engineer, you know, some real supervision to make sure you've got people like, like, hey, let's make sure we have the right equipment. Let's make sure we have people who understand like, how much weight can this take? You know, who should be on this? You know, what, what kind of equipment should they have? What kind of cables should we use to reinforce this all? To be perfectly blunt, I think life can go on without a stupid bonfire, but that's just me. But, to the, community, but to the community, it was this very exciting thing. It was like, oh, my God. They had TV coverage, you know, locally for years because they would show clips of old bonfires from the 80s and the 70s. And there were pictures of stuff going back all the way to the early days of the bonfire. By the way, the bonfire originally started as a trash fire. True story. 
So I was originally a trash fire that eventually became the bonfire. Okay. When you're beginning with trash, is this really what you want to be celebrating? Yeah, but guys, it's really exciting. It's really exciting. So anyway, good for the guy. He lived. You know, congratulations. He's still living his life. Good for him. But my point to this, all of this, other than giving Dave the tragedy he craves, um, was that the the actual documentary is fine. It's decent. It actually does a good job explaining the story, giving us the background of the guy and the thing and what happened and all that, and then following the guy around, interviewing him and talking to him how he experienced his life. And he actually did. Um, he actually got to do a couple of things where he talked to some people and he was eventually able to graduate. It took him a better part of a decade to graduate because he almost died several times. He was the last guy that was pulled out. Basically he almost right. died several times because of his ridiculous injuries because he had been crushed and destroyed basically physically. Um, and they ended up having to amputate his leg in order to save his life. And he was still paralyzed. He's got his wheelchair and everything. And kind of, they follow him around to show his life and him using his truck and stuff. The point is it gives the background. It explains what happened. It gives you a human interest story in terms of following the specific guy, giving you the story of some of the people that died because they did talk about some of the victims and their families and gave them some context for the people, which Charlie Mann usually does a pretty good job with that when he's not being exploitative. But there's two reasons why this documentary was substantially, even IMDb's rating for it was like a 7.2, which isn't bad. The reason, the reason for it is really twofold. Number one, there was nothing for him to sensationalize because it's not like they took video footage of people like dying that I'm sure he would have shown. Uh, so that he didn't have that to, to use. He, he was able to, fo he was basically forced to focus on the story. And number two, he couldn't find a way to blame the cops because they had nothing to do with it. If he could have found a way, it's like, but if the cops had, had responded to a, a bill, a self-made building of logs collapsed on people, what do the cops have to do with this? It's like, but is there a way I could blame the cops? No, there is not. <laughs> They have nothing to do with this. Yeah. That's so that's usually his shtick. Very, very much got his his shtick. Oh, like literally everything is. How can I blame the cops for this? But if they had responded faster, it's like half the people were dead before they, before anything happened. They responded as soon as they got the call and they went in and started trying to pull people out and grab logs and do all this stuff. They did their yeah. job. Like, <laughs> dude, man. That's it. They did their job. I'm sure if he could have found a way, it's like. But if the paramedics say, "Stop it," just report the story. This is a story. This is what happened. Just make the damn movie. So anyway, and that's that's, that's really all we want. Yeah. Like, so, so that's Charlie Min's know. best documentary by default. So there you go. Oh man. By default, he he couldn't he didn't screw it up as a documentary. It's perfectly fine. It tells the story reasonably well. It is not bad. It is solidly okay. So there you go. Right, cool. yeah. He, the cool. man can actually make an okay movie. Is what you're saying. Despite his best efforts, yes. When the situation does not allow him to be Charlie Min and do his Charlie Min thing, uh, yes, it's fine. So basically, if he's making a movie that isn't about you know anywhere that there's any place you could possibly blame police officers, it's all good. Well, basically, he doesn't have a choice. He was like, "But is there an angle?" No, Charlie. No, no, nine. So, so what you're saying is it's it's not for lack of trying. Oh, I'm sure he would have tried. He would have. Are you sure there isn't like some corrupt cop? No, stop it. This is nothing to do with the cops. It's logs fell on people. They died. That's it. That's the story. Tell the story. That's all that happened. So all we need to know is yeah. the story. Yeah. So anyway, the documentary itself is fine. Uh, 
it's, it's reasonable for what it is. It's still relatively recent. They, I think it was 2019 they came out with this one. So uh, I would say if you're interested in the story, because I hadn't heard of it until I saw the documentary, uh, and as a documentary, if I didn't know it was Charlie Min, I would have been shocked that it was him because it was because it was decent. And it covered the story, and you got the gist, and it's like, oh, okay, okay, there I we go. It. I did, I did not know. So that's the first one. Second one is a documentary that I can uh, offer as well. Uh, is a lot of disaster documentaries lately for me. Um, another one that was kind of interesting was um, it was a called Shockwave. It's a relatively new one. It's only about forty-four minutes, and it was uh, related to the uh, explosion in Lebanon by the Beirut port explosion. Okay, so that's that's much more recent. It is very recent. Yeah, 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 for sure. But this person compiled a lot of like um, because obviously we're in the modern day, so you've got um, cell phone cameras and stuff, and people were taking, people ended up accidentally capturing footage of this like happening, and then it's interspliced with the story and interviews and stuff like that. It's it's interesting if you're curious about it behind the scenes thing, because there were some viral videos that went out of some folks that um, were like doing a wedding photo shoot. And then the explosion happens, but because they're filming like a video, uh, you you can hear the thing, and then the shockwave hits and like the windows shatter. So it's like you actually see like, oh, something happened. What the heck? But you don't know what's going on, and then all of a sudden the windows are exploding, and you're like, ah. So it's uh, it does give you the it does give you the the impact of something occurring that you don't even know where it's coming from or what's going on, and. All of a sudden, you're on the ground and like, what the heck just happened here? It gives you that sense of disorientation that kind of conveys what would have been the case for the folks dealing with it at that moment. Right. So it's a documentary telling a story. It was actually well. This, I would say, is a legitimately well done documentary. Again, 44 minutes. It's not overly long. They don't dwell on it, too, but they do interview some people and tell some stories. You will get some tragic stories because it was an explosion. But it was an explosion for carelessness because it was very, uh, very weird uh, thing the way it went down and completely avoidable as tends to be a lot of the case with disasters is like so 100% avoidable so I'll leave it at that if you guys are familiar with the story you can look into it yourself it's uh, called shockwave and it's on Amazon Prime so some good documentaries still there uh, it is a mixed bag some of them are good some are not so good but that was a decent one all right then yep so there you go I have offered the appropriate amount of death for you all. Enjoy. Anyway, so moving on. So the uh, the other thing I was going to say real quick, uh, indirectly related to the wrestling thing as well. Uh, did you know AEW has a new show they announced? The Friday Night Show? Yes. There's going yes. to be the new TV. Uh, they're going to have some new shows, uh, including a uh, thing on TBS in 2022. Yep. In 2022, they're moving to TBS. They're doing a Friday night at 10 p.m. show. Yeah, it's going to be a one-hour show, which is Which fine. means it is not in direct competition with SmackDown. That is correct. But that's okay. It gives them it gives them another hour of TV time to showcase some of their other talent. Because 10 p.m. is not like a time slot that is built for like, oh, big ratings, big ratings. It's like, I think people, some folks will watch it. Um, I think it's a good opportunity because they've got their YouTube shows. But then this is a chance to have, it's like, hey, you're going to be on TV. Um, it will be in a time slot. People can still see it. But it's not going to be like in a prime time time slot, like a normal kind of prime time slot where there, there's less pressure. It's like, yeah. we'll show some matches. You guys can get some experience and it's a good, and if folks want to watch it, Hey, we're in the PVR era. Go ahead, record it. It's one hour. It's not, it's, it's not too overly, yeah. uh, exactly. It's not a big commitment. Speaking of AEW, their next pay-per-view double or nothing looks very good. Yeah. I'm probably going to order that. I'm interested. I would, if this was one of those things where we could get together, I'd be like, Carl, we're doing this. 
Yep. We're growing half seas, we're getting beer, and we're doing this. Yep, yep. No, but unfortunately, right. we cannot do that. Yep. So that's a couple of things there going on in that world. Um, now, one other thing I will throw as well out there. Um, so any other questions related to the AEW? Uh, we can come back to the wrestling thing in a second, but I wanted to talk about no, the card I, I thing. No, I don't think so. We can go to the card okay. show. So it's pretending the card show, basically what's, uh, what went down, and uh, kind of Dave got a sense of it, was that they announced the, new, the next virtual expo, which is happening on the 19th and 20th. So that's a little bit of an announcement. And what I'll do here for us is I'll share the screen. So there it is right there, the 19th and 20th, uh, doing another virtual expo. Makes total sense. Totally get it. Now, here's the thing. For anyone who's a little paying a little bit more of attention, I'll describe it quickly. It's just an image. But the thing is, if you scroll down to the bottom of this page, there's something else if you're paying attention. You scroll all the way down, talk about the usual stuff, the same boring sponsors, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I'll make it a little bit bigger. So you got the Sports Card Expo. Yes, I have seen this. Yes. So November 11th to 14th right now, they've, they're announcing that they're going to tentatively schedule a four-day expo live at the International Center in, in Toronto. Really, Mississauga, but whatever. Um, they're going to try to do a live show four days. Which is uh, it's a pretty big deal. It is, it is, it is. So the big thing related to this, for me, is that four days thing. Because, okay, okay so yeah, you're, you're going to go back. Again, they're hoping. So they got to start planning it out. It's, it's not a bad idea to start planning because if you are no. going to give it a shot, you have to try to and, plan and it I would out. And I would think it's it's at least in the realm of possibility. Sure. Right? You got to know it's stage. It just depends on how our vaccinations go. Like, that's the real thing. And I, I yep. mentioned before, like, for me, my rule is this. I haven't gone out to get my vaccine, but number one, I'm in my house just hanging out here most of the time. So my, my level of urgency is lower. But number two... Right now, it's still a disorganized mess. You can do appointments and you can do all this, but it's like not very smooth yet. Um, I would like to get enough people vaccinated around here who need it more urgently first so that then I can go and like, okay, are you guys ready for me? Can I go? Yep, great. Awesome. Let's do that. Yeah. I just don't want to deal. I don't feel any need to be in a line or to deal with any kind of a hassle. To do. It's one of those things like I'm not opposed to it. I'm just not going to jump through hoops for you to do that. Yeah. And then hopefully maybe if you wait a little bit too, you might be able to get your your doses closer between than some people. That's do, right? one of the other things that I'm like, to me, the disorganization discourages me from running immediately. Some folks though need to, uh, need like, like my brother who works at LCBO, he's people facing. He should get that as soon as possible. Absolutely. And he has an appointment and like he, he's, uh, that's in progress, but it makes total sense for him to do that. Mm -hmm. My parents are older. They should get their thing as soon as possible. It makes Absolutely. total sense. So like for them, the priority is right up here for me. Yeah. I'll get around to it. But when I do it, it's like, okay, great. Are you guys good for me? Yep, cool. When can I get the next one? Uh, three weeks. Perfect. Great. So then hopefully if by November we're at that stage where most people have gotten one or both, um, the possibility gets better. Uh, one thing that I kind of thought, and uh, we talked about it a little bit the uh, offline, is that the, the border opening is going to have to be part of this too. Because if you're going to have guests, if you're going to have dealers, if you're going to have other collectors coming from across the border, even from Buffalo, even just from New York well, State. Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of people that come up from the States for this convention. Correct. And you would lose a lot if you didn't have access to that. You could still make a go of it. If, if within Canada, movement is, a, is more open and we're able to do that comfortably, then sure. Um, it's going to feel – it would be a very different vibe. But it's definitely possible to make it happen. 
Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So it'd be one of those questions where it'll be like, uh, the question would be like, is it a precursor to, to kind of, um, other shows trying to open up as well out West as well? Because there's some shows out there that try to do business as well. And it'll be interesting to see if they take the lead with this, if they try to do it themselves, how the timing on that works out. So that's another key component because there used to be like a whole show circuit with a couple of these shows. And right now the hobby has been super hot recently. So that's the other question. And we're kind of the other thing related to that four days thing. Now, big four big days. So does that mean everybody can go for four days? Does that mean you space it out? Does that mean you deal now from a dealer perspective? It's not four days then. It's probably five because you got to get in a day early, start prepping your stuff, have your table ready, and then four or at least three and a half because Sunday's usually a little quieter towards the tail end. People start kind of shuffling yeah. themselves out the door. So let's call it three and a half full days of activity potentially. Which is a lot. It, it's a lot to ask, yeah. We're getting a litmus test right now with some of the shows that have opened up stateside because uh, right now this weekend, and I referenced it with Dave, is that there is a show out in Dallas. That is uh, that has been going on mm-hmm. uh, the last couple of days, and uh, I've watched a lot of YouTube channels that have now started to do some vlogs coming out of there, uh, showing. And the Dallas show is being very uh, active, very vibrant. There's a lot going on, so it, it's interesting. Um, obviously, they're being very aggressive with it. There's a lot of folks out there doing a lot of big deals. Um, our good friend Mbappe is ah uh, Mbappe. We got we got some Mbappe. We got some some Neymar, some German guy. There's a German guy. I don't I don't know what his name is. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to call him German guy for now. That's fair. Uh, you know, he's German Mbappe. Um, Ooh, or, German Mbappe. Yeah, sure. Why not? I like and it. S- since he comes up often enough, he's now German Mbappe. Uh, in the tradition of, you know, uh, Cuban Pika Subban. In the tradition. I'm okay with this. Yeah, this is usually the way you go. But the point is that so you got these um, these deals happening and these things going on. And there's a lot of big dollars changing hands. So there's a lot of that. So the question is, is this, bottom line, is this four days a reflection of that? Or is it, like I said, a, a way to try to space it out? But in turn, you also create some other complications on the back end. And one other thing that is going to be interesting for me to keep an eye on, unless assuming this goes off without a hitch, assuming they manage to do it, um, if they can organize it well, I'll definitely consider attending because it would be almost two years, almost to the day since the last live expo in November. Yeah. So Because it was 2019 in November when the last one went off. Um, and the other thing, though, is related to that is – the Toronto Expo is one of the biggest is the biggest expo we have in Canada. It's one of the biggest shows in the world historically. It's been one of the biggest shows in the world outside of the national and maybe Dallas right now because of how big Dallas has become. But um, the design of the way it is is very different because I think if memory serves me, I think Dallas takes place in a hotel um, and it's a very big show, very active show. The expo takes place in a convention center. So it's not like you have these are they going to design a space to include trade nights and some of the extracurricular activities that you normally would have associated around the show? Because you're over in the airport district. Uh, it's, not, it's not like you've got a lot of very easy places for people to get to to gather. Can you get people to gather? Yes. There are, there are restaurants and things like that. You can do some stuff, but it's like as an organized thing, it would be really tricky to do if they try to do something similar to what some of the stuff that's been going on in some of these places. Yeah. Just some, just sure. some things I put out there as, as things that would be kind of interesting. So here's a question. Uh, let me ask you this. All right. Let's assume the vaccination thing more or less gets under control. Most people are able to get their stuff, and they're in reasonably good shape. Um, and the border is at a state where it can do it uh, to that allow people across with maybe vaccination cards or something. Whatever. Yeah, fair enough. Whatever, whatever the case may be. Uh, assuming we're at that stage, would you want to attend the Fall Expo? Damn right. Yeah. No, just ask the question uh, because it would be kind of interesting. Now, in that situation, you got four days. 
So which day would you be more inclined to attend? I don't know, because I'm going to have another kid at that point. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I'd probably still like to go either on the Saturday or the Sunday, mm-hmm. right? Preferably right. because I think that's it's just easier, yeah, right, to get there on a weekend and stuff. But that's definitely something I would definitely consider doing because, I mean, obviously it would depend on, again, you know, vaccination rates, mm-hmm. all this jazz. And, of yeah. course, uh, you know, what the COVID situation is like in, you know, at that time, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. Yeah. I don't want to do anything stupid and, and jeopardize anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I have my first shot. Uh, I have a, I have an appointment for my second shot. Hopefully, it can get bumped up, but I, I do have one. So by the time the card show rolls around, uh, I, I should be, because you never know with the craziness of the vaccines, I should be fully vaccinated for a couple of months by the time the card show hits. So, mm-hmm. you know, it will have enough time to do whatever it needs to do in my body to be effective as or as as effective as it's going to be indeed and then you think about it folks if everything comes according if everything goes according to plan they will be able to run in for the first time in two years run in and go mbappe and it's like you want to buy some mbappe no why <laughs> i can't afford it <laughs> yes i will i am willing to do that yeah but you're communicating entirely in yells that's okay i can yeah. do that yeah it's just that's it it's, a, it's like you really had to do that? Yep, I did. I did have to do it, yeah. It was that or I play Rolling Neymar. Like, that's what you get. It's fair, man. That's yeah. fair. So anyway, so that, that's just something I thought was interesting to, brought, to be brought up. The The card show thing is going to be interesting. I'm keeping an eye on it, obviously. And I'm watching some of the coverage from the Dallas thing because now in the modern day, it's I'm going to call it coverage because really it's vlogs and different videos that people are making related to it. Some folks are doing live streams from there and um, stuff like that. Like it's become a multimedia event where some folks will do stuff like that. And I would love to see what that would look like for the expo because I know I would make some videos related to that for sure on my YouTube channel. I don't know if I would do a live stream uh, because live stream uh, internet at hotels is crummy. Yeah. It's, it's... Like I, I could set up a portable setup pretty easily with a microphone and, you know, basic setup, but it'd be kind of tough to do. Yeah. It's almost like you'd want to test it out ahead of time to know that it's going to be all right before you. Yeah. Yeah. It, I, I think most likely it would end up being pre-recorded stuff that then I would upload. But again, hotel internet slow. So. Um, because you're relying on Wi-Fi and you're doing all that. And it's like, eh, it's not the most consistent thing. Like even when I do this recording with you or pre-recording, but also when I do my live streams, this computer is hardwired yeah. because you want the consistency. You don't want to be like, okay, let me rely on the Wi-Fi, cross my fingers. Hopefully everything's cool. My Wi-Fi is pretty good, but it, but unless the modem's right beside you, like stuff happens. Yeah. Anyway, so that's fine. So that's cool. That'll be interesting. Uh, to your point earlier, double to nothing. I'm excited. That should be interesting as well. And um, do you have any? What else did you want to talk 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 about that you have there on your list? Actually, I have a I have a I have another story, a random of course, story. Sure, sure. Because I, I felt this this was kind of interesting because it it it, may, it makes some things make you self conscious, right? Uh, in life, one of those things that sometimes makes me self conscious is the fact that I like pro wrestling. Right. Okay. The fact that I'm, you know, almost 38 years old and I like wrestling. Right. Uh-huh. I don't know why, because there's lots of people who are older than me that like wrestling, and there's lots of people my age that like wrestling, and and all. Right. Uh, but I was I I had what did I do? oh I had picked up groceries. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had gone to Walmart to pick up groceries. So I had the the, the squared circle book in the car because mm-hmm. I was reading it while I was waiting. You know, I call the number, wait for them to bring my groceries out. So I, I'm reading the book. And then I stopped at Starbucks after to get a drink for myself and my wife. 
uh, and then home to, to work. Mm-hmm. And I'm in line and the woman at the drive-thru, right, who's, take, who's handling my order says, what book is that? Or what's that book about? And I'm like, oh, no. And like immediately there's this like, sense of dread that fills me because I'm like, I'm going to have to tell her it's about wrestling, right? Which I did. So I'm like, it's just, a, it's a bunch of stories, which it is about pro wrestling, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then immediately she goes, have you been watching those biographies on A&E? I'm like, yeah. And she's like, did you catch last week's on Shawn Michaels? I was like, no, because that was one of the programs that the PVR screwed up for me. So I was like, no, what I'm planning, I will watch it because it's on several times on A&E after. So I'm making well, sure it's, all, it's also available by streaming. Yeah. You can check right. it on the site. It's good. It's, so, the streaming's pretty good. Right. Have you watched any of them? I've watched, I've definitely watched a couple of them, but uh, like I said, I do go to the site and watch it that way. Yeah. It's nice. easier for me. So, yeah. right. But she's like, yeah. And then she was getting all excited about it. And then she's like, I used to have such a crush on Shawn Michaels. And then we had this really great conversation about wrestling as I was waiting for my drink. This drive through is apparently slow. I, I, I can see that. Yeah. So. Or you made it slow one way or the other. Either way. But yeah. I mean, I mean, that whole conversation probably happened in about two minutes, but still, it was right. kind of cool to be like, hey, you know, you like you said you like wrestling. I like wrestling, and I don't feel like ashamed to like wrestling right now in this moment, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I like wrestling. I do mm-hmm. uh, a lot. Uh, I, I was gonna I, say, is this a confessional, Dave? Should I should no, I be? No, I'm just saying. But I am I am not an un- unabashedly fan of wrestling. You know, I'm right. not an unabashed fan. Okay, like there's I don't know. There's still something about that, and I don't know why. Mm-hmm. There just is. So. I like the theater, man. I like the theater aspect. Mm-hmm. All right. Since you changed your name to Lord Salt, I believe mm-hmm. this means you want to talk about something related to Salt now. No, no. I just wanted to segue off of the professional wrestling thing. It's like, you know, the patron saint of Salt is my title, but Lord Salt is my moniker. All right. Cool. I, cool. I, just, I, just, I just wanted to make clear to anyone that watched the video side of it, just so you understand what we're talking about here. Um you find any issue with the amount of no hitters in baseball right now? Ooh, I like that sudden segue. Well played. So there's there's six. Six have happened so far. Mm-hmm. Seven if you unofficially count the or count the one that's unofficial. The seven inning one. Yeah. The seven yeah. that Madison Bob Garner seven mm-hmm. inning one. Yeah. All right. Uh, the I believe the record is eight. Like for mm-hmm. the modern game. Sure. Uh, so we're not even through May. We have six no hitters. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been people on record saying this isn't good for baseball. Mm-hmm. Uh. Clayton Kershaw being one of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, there's a lot that's not great for baseball and 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 you know the modern game and yeah, getting Mike fans Trout. and yeah. Oh my goodness! You had I th- see. You're welcome for that, Carlos. I gave you a chance to bash Mike Trout. You are I, welcome. Listen, I I can't do anything that Mike Trout's uh, that Mike Trout's ankle injury didn't do, didn't do it him already. That's true. That's six to eight true. weeks is not long enough. I was thinking six to eight months. Six to eight years. Take all the time you need. Speaking of other baseball pronostications, uh, it looks like Albert Pujols may get 100 plate appearances or more with the Dodgers since right now he's an everyday player for them. I, I was very surprised, to be honest. Like, I, I was legitimately surprised. I was like, okay, well, listen, I, I'm, I'm for it. I, would, I, would, I expect this to be his final season. I would like to see him, but, and I like how we're jumping around. I will come back to the no-hitter. Yeah, of course, as, as will I. But, uh, but. but the point is that I want to see him have a chance to play out the rest, the last, his last season. As much as he reasonably can. That it's up to the Dodgers how much they want to play him. Because the Dodgers are a decent team. And like it's not like he he's he's kind of he's a defensive liability, but you're a national league team and you you guys didn't agree to the universal DH. Like he would be a perfect candidate to be just the DH. It's like go over there and hit. Well, which is basically what he was doing when he was playing for uh Anaheim. Well, the thing is not really because they wanted to save the DH for Otani. 
So like, I always thought that was a bad idea. I'm like, here's the thing. I know you don't want to play him in the field, but like, Otani can at least move. <laughs> Albert Pujols should not, you know what? Put Otani at first base. Like that way he doesn't have to do as much. It's like, do not make this man field. Yeah. Although he's fielding for the Dodgers. So well, I, I guess they can live with he it. Have, so. it was, right. Like I, I, he is most of his games he's played like since, sorry, most of the Dodgers games that have happened since the trade, he's played first base. Majority well, there, there's nowhere else he can play. Like, right. There's yeah. nowhere else you can put him. And Muncy's like, Muncy's a capable second baseman. Yeah. Uh, and I think it all kind of happened with, it, it made it easier because Corey Seager got hurt, right? Yeah. So the shortstop's out. So they moved their second baseman, Gavin Lux, to shortstop. They mm-hmm. moved the first baseman to, you know, all these rotating pieces because of all the injuries. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what happens to Pujols when everybody gets healthy, if everybody gets healthy, I should say. Oh, he goes to the point. bench and becomes a pinch hitter. Right. Honestly, I think he would. Yeah. I think so too. Yeah. Uh, but hey, he hit. He's hit one home run at yeah. Dodger Stadium, so that's cool. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, it's just nice to have him add on a couple of more stats. Like his, like I said, like we said in a previous discussion, his Hall of Fame credentials are already established. It's fine. Absolutely. No matter what, no matter what, he's already locked that up. But if he can get a couple more home runs, a couple more RBIs, get a couple more hits, just attack it on, and you know, finalize it, and make it some nice, nice round numbers. Hey, I'm all in favor of that. Why not? Yeah. I like to see it. Going back to the no-hitters thing. Um, is it bad for baseball? Yes, because some of those games are not very – a no-hitter can be a dramatic thing. It can be. But a lot of it, a lot of it is because these guys are up to uh, you know, what they call the three outcome um, – I forget what the exact phrasing is, but it's like a three outcome uh, at bats. Basically, like they're swinging for the fences, and if that doesn't happen, then they hit into the shift, and if that doesn't happen, they strike out. Right. So it's like – basically, it's like, well, if you're going to – you guys can try playing baseball. I like home runs. I'm a big fan of offense. But if you're not going to hit a home run every time, which you can't, you guys could try hitting, moving around or over, get it, put it, stringing together a couple of hits, driving in some runs that way. How, how is it possible that with all the home runs, and we had record numbers of home runs the last couple of years, relatively speaking, on a game-per-game basis, they dejuice the baseball slightly, which is going to hinder a little bit, but there's yep. still home runs being hit. That's not the issue. Um, but with all those home runs, here's a question I would pose. How come we're not seeing any of those 130, 140, 150 RBI guys like we saw back in the 90s? Now, mind you, there were steroids. But steroids, the guys who were getting 140 RBIs were getting like 40 home runs. So, yeah. yes, steroids, but they also drove in some guys the old-fashioned way by, well, there's a guy on base. There's a guy on second. What would you do? I hit a long single, and he ran to the home plate and scored. That's yeah. an RBI. That counts. Yeah, so like you're not seeing the big time run producers, even the guys that get the big, um, even the guys that get the big home run totals are not driving in runs at a rate commiserate to that. I'd like to see a couple of old Manny Ramirez or Juan Gonzalez style offensive slash lines, where it's like, oh, 40 home runs and 140 RBIs. That'd be kind of sweet. That'd be kind of yeah, fun. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, those were those were fun. I like those, but we don't really see that. It's like, yeah, they'll be, you know, the guys will do all right. They'll be decent home run totals. I will say. Pleasant surprise. I haven't gotten a chance to watch as many games as I would like because I've really been lazy about it. Um, young Vladimir Guerrero Jr. seen some home runs. He's doing all right. That he is. Second that in the league in home runs. So tied for second. That's pretty good. I must yeah, prepare, I just, I must prepare is... to sell my cards and make great <laughs> fortunes. Keep it up, Vladdy Jr. Keep it up. For sure. For sure. Is there anything else you want to touch on related to those things? No, I don't think so. Uh, I just, you know, it's just weird to see, you know, because I get the updates on my phone, right, mm-hmm. from MLB.com. And it's like, 
Oh, someone else is throwing a no hitter. Oh, like it almost feels almost every day. Yeah, routine. It takes a lot of the luster out of it. Yeah. You know, and it's like, so the first time it's like, ooh, like the thing that got me, I think we might have actually been on talking Mm -hmm. at the time was, I think it was the Twins and the Brewers, I think, was the team. But both pitchers, starting pitchers were throwing a no hitter deep into the game. Yep. Uh, And that was, that was the one I was like, ooh, this is kind of cool. Right. And then now it's like, yeah, okay. I expect the record to be broken the way things are going. Yeah, but I would say, though, like uh, like my big thing is no hitters. If it happens, it happens. An aberration happens. But I feel like a lot of these hitters are being very undisciplined. They're making it easier for some of these pitchers because some of these pitchers are just rearing back and firing. Yeah. It's not like they're demonstrating this pinpoint control and this brilliant, like, you know, great pitching execution. Like, it's not a clinic being put out there. There are some good pitchers that are getting these no hitters, but a bunch of journeyman guys. By the way, that always happens. There's always a couple of journeyman guys who have a great night. Where everything For just sure. goes together. For that, sure. That's normal. That happens all the time. Yes, that is not an aberration. I mean, yeah. them doing it is an aberration, but the fact that it's a journeyman. Yeah. And but it's been a lot of them. And it's uh but it's also because a lot of these hitters are swinging from the heels. And if they don't make like solid contact, it's like, yeah, you strike out a bunch of guys, and it's like, well, that's gonna increase the propensity and likelihood mm-hmm. of more of these no hitters, but that makes it less special. For sure. Absolutely. And that's the thing about no hitter, right? Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of baseball games live and, you know, there's basically, basically sort of two things uh, I haven't seen right live. I haven't seen anybody hit for the cycle, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite rare. I obviously have seen it on TV, but, and I haven't seen anybody uh, pitch a no hitter. Those are mm-hmm. like the two things that I would kind of like, but I've seen some other weird things that you like, hardly ever see in a baseball game. I've seen them, right? I've seen it inside the park home run. Uh, mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, a player get called out uh, for interference because another player touched them, mm-hmm. right? Like uh, on their own team, which that ne- that hardly ever happens, right? So I've seen some weird things in baseball games, but those two things, right? Because they're so rare, right? And the, the cool thing about a no-hitter when it happens is supposedly it's, it's, it's really rare. It doesn't mm-hmm. happen very often. Right? And now it seems like every night, oh no hitter, okay, and it loses that luster. Yeah, right? basically. which is which is something that makes baseball cool. Well, the good news is, Dave. If nothing else, I will say this: I think we can all have confidence that if there is something to be resolved, if there is something that needs to be changed, something that needs to be adjusted, I think we have the right man at the helm. No way, we got that guy. We're screwed. Yeah, I totally screwed. Oh, we're so screwed. Mm. Well, there's that. There's always that. Yeah, that's uh, so. That's the major the baseball side of it. Uh, I, ha- I have one more thing to talk about, but let me know. Do you have another thing? Yeah, let's do it, man. Let's do it. La- okay. Let's let's get the Carlos topic and let's finish it off on a high. All right. So, quick notable note. This is not the topic, but it's a quick notable note. Good luck to Phil Mickelson as we record. We are at the end of Saturday. One more day. He is te- he is leading the PGA Championship by one stroke. I'm crossing my fingers. I'd like to see history made. I'd like to see him do it as a 50-year-old because that'd be kind of neat. Phil Mickelson got kind of short thrift for the Tiger era. It'd be kind of cool to have him get one more big, like, you know. I enjoy that kind of thing, even though I don't watch golf as much as I used to. I used to watch it pretty religiously. Um, I'd love to see it, though, because Phil was always one of those guys who was in the hunt constantly and missed out on a ton of opportunities. I'd love to see him just randomly get one out of nowhere at age 50. Yeah, be, be kind of neat. It's a, it's a fun story. Those are always enjoyable. Okay, so here's my topic uh, real quick. I've been having some fun uh, this past week. So speaking of like, you know, uh, Blood and Streets, uh, kind of the theme of the show. Um, Blood and Streets, uh, 
what, what about the crypto? The Doge, the Bitcoin. Oh my God, the blood in the streets. You've been, uh, you've been catching a little bit of that or hearing anything about it? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I was having so much fun. It was, it was just fun because um, it's always been the problem uh, is that this market is 100% speculative, which it always is. That's yeah. the caveat that needs to be like known and thought of. But uh, it's fun listening because I've got podcasts and videos that I'll watch where people will talk about these things. And it's fun watching the freak out because things got so high. And then immediately like something happens and volatility kicks in. It's like, ah, free fall. And I was just sitting there like, when I watched it, I, t I, I went into my app one day and I was looking and I saw that it had gone down like 25 or 30%. And I was like, oh shit, I need to right, have some yeah. money in this account. Let me buy. <laughs> I was like, nope, this is, this is what I want. I'll take it. So yeah, it's rebounded a little bit, but uh, it definitely had a lot of volatility. I would say, I would call it a lot of volatility. And same with Ethereum and a lot of these other ones. It was like, okay, kind of interesting. Okay. So it's been kind of a roller coaster ride, I would say. I want to kind of see if I can show you. So this is the last month. So I don't wow. know if you can see that. Oh, yeah. So it's, it's like it's just going down. Yeah. And that's and the thing is, historically, that's normal. But here's the thing. And this is where people lose track. Okay. So that was one month. This is the last year. Yeah. Look so. at where you started. <laughs> it's like comparatively, is it that bar down? Yeah, no. you're still up overall. You're still up a lot because at the beginning of the year, a year ago, it was 12,000. Right now it's 46,000. Yeah. That's about four times. So if I said a year ago, hey, Dave, buy some Bitcoin and we'll, and we'll reconvene in a year. Okay, Carlos, hold on. I'll stop watching my, my death documentary. Okay, bought some Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the, the threat has to be maintained throughout the podcast. Um, but the point is that overall, up a lot. But for folks that bought it at like 60,000, 70,000, and I'm taking Canadian dollars, you can translate to US for yourselves if you're out stateside. Uh, but like when it was up at 60,000, 70,000, especially right up there at the tippy top, I think it topped out at like 72,000 Canadian. If you bought out at 72,000 Canadian, you're like 46,000. Oh my God, I need to jump. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, I can't live anymore. It's like, you jumped out of a second story window, you moron. If you're lucky, you break your leg. That's what's going to happen. Idiot. What's wrong with you? I promise you there are people that did that and are like be losing their minds beside themselves. Hmm. And it's just one of those things. It's like, well, what are you going to do? I don't know what to tell you. I, I don't know what to say. Uh, most of my Bitcoin's up. Uh, and I was able Which to cash good. in. Yeah, I cashed in some of my uh, some of my gambling winnings as well, and turned that into Bitcoin when it was cheaper a little bit as well. I was like, "Hey, so I'm okay, I'm good." Yeah, which is good. That's what we want. Yep, yep. So it works for me. I just got a kick out of it. I was watching. I was watching. Like I said, speaking of blood in the streets, <laughs> at the moment, at the moment, there's a little bit of that there. And my Mastodon album came in. Love Ooh. it. Yes. This is actually pretty sweet. This was, um, I'll, I'll give you guys, so that was the Bitcoin one was my last story, but I'll give you one more quick personal story. So the Mastodon album came in. Uh, this is from Amazon. I picked this up. Uh, this is actually pretty cool. It's um, it's not a regular album. This is a, what they call medium rarities. So it's like a rarities album with like uh, some live tracks and some instrumentals and stuff. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. kind of cool. I'm like, okay, I love stuff like that. Um, but as part of the package, I also got a, a case for my cell phone. 
So my, uh, so I'll quickly explain. So the cell phone, I, the case I have, I've got like a Spigen uh, cell phone case. These are actually pretty good. Uh, this one has actually done a great job keeping my phone intact because I, I have dropped it a couple of times, but there's a bit of a crack on the back here in the center. Yeah. Now, not that it's compromised the case. It's still good. But um, I go, oh, I should probably get like a backup case, maybe just in case I want to swap it out. Yeah. So what I did is as part of my order, I bought a case and a nice red color case. Yeah. Now, here's the problem. There's two versions of this of this phone, and I bought the one for the wrong one because uh. this is actually the size case for my work phone because I bought one of these. But being a moron, I went and looked at, oh, yeah, I bought a case a little while ago. Okay, here we go. Order. It's the iPhone like X, XR. Right. That's the work phone, which is a bigger version of the iPhone. The XS is the slightly smaller one, which I have, which is actually the better phone. But I ended up basically, uh, I ended up basically ordering this, which is a very nice case, completely the wrong case. That's unfortunate. Yes, it is, and it is hashtag. Make sure you read what you bought. Amazon delivered exactly what I ordered. It was the wrong thing. Can you return it? it? I could, but at the same time, it's one of those deals where. Um, it's really not worth returning it because it's like, well, I got a backup case for the work phone. It's like a $20 case. So it's not like it's a big deal. It's like, yeah, I'll just use the red one. Yeah. So it's a nice color. Like I like it. I'll just have to, I'll have to get the, I'll have to get the replacement case after. It's like, damn it. Be careful. Be careful. That's unfortunate, Carlos. Yeah. Well, what are you going to do? At least, uh, at least I have the consolation of knowing that if nothing else, I've got a nice, uh, nice. This is true. Blood this is red true. case. To stick with our theme. Blood in the streets. Who knew? Who knew that was going to be the, the theme of this episode? Apparently. Hey, listen, I, I'm not the one who did it, Dave. I'm just playing along with your with your theme of death. You, you brought it. It's like Carlos. I, I, it's like I've come so close. Well, technically, I've almost you got started it because you brought up Dark Side of the Ring. I did, but you brought up that it wasn't dark enough for you. And then I am here for me. I just like, said it was a, a departure from what they normally do. Is that good? I, I read the subtext. You're like, Carlos, normally I watch Dark Side of the Rain because someone dies and then nope, I'm happy. Nope, and then I go to bed, you know, sleeping comfortably in my pillow going, none oh, of thank this God. is actually true. All of it is 100% true. 100%. In your mind, in your mind only. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm very or convincing. Or alternate universe. It's possible. This, I am you know. extraordinarily convincing. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so that's it. So we've, we've covered it all. Uh, you know, Dave's bloodlust has been satiated at least for another week. And then we'll move on to next week. But we'll have more stories and more of, nonsense because we of, always do. Of course. So anyway, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, the, the things have gotten on the audio version, so you can listen to it. If you want to see Dave nodding you know, in total approval of everything I just said earlier about his bloodlust, then you can check out the YouTube channel, 100%. So that's usually the better experience. Plus, you get to see like visual aids. So that's always the thing. You too can see Carlos hold up an LP. That's correct. Absolutely. And I will enjoy listening to it when the time comes soon. Very soon. Anyway, so that's it for us. We will catch you all on episode 98. We are dangerously closing in on cake. I mean, episode 100. We are closing in. <laughs> we just call it cake. What we're going to do for episode is there's, it's, if there will be an audio version of it, but literally it's just going to be Carlos and I eating cake for however long we feel like. Then we're going to cut it and we're just going to put that up. Maybe. Maybe. We're dangerously approaching cake. Episode 100 of the Innocent Announces podcast. So stay tuned for that and we will catch you on that and subsequent episodes.